When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, kids. That's right. It's the weekend. Hopefully, it's a payday for you today, too. You get a chance to get out and go do some cool things with your friends and family. That's always great. That's why we work, right? Well, that, in fact, we need to eat and have somewhere to lay our heads. But you understand what I'm saying. You got to get out and enjoy life a little bit. I want to thank everybody that came out uh, to the two signings in Louisville on Wednesday and the two signings in West Point on Thursday. It's always great to see everybody. It's good to congregate together as people who are similarly situated as us. Great time. And uh, Saturday, I will be at Campus Bookmart. So if you're coming to town for baseball, we're going to talk a lot of baseball today. As a matter of fact, it's mainly a baseball show today. Uh, you can check us out at Campus Bookmart uh, tomorrow. Pretty excited about that. You should be as well. It's always a great time to get together. If you're looking to get dog pile books, you can get them. Uh, they have all five of my books at Campus Bookmart. So whether you make it to town or not, you can order them online from them. Uh, and while we're talking about that, too, I was informed by the publisher on Wednesday that I actually misspoke. They do have some inventory left of dog pile. Not much, about 100 copies, a little less than 100 copies. And as it stands today, let me see if I can remember all this correctly. You got about 300 copies of Flim Flam available for purchase to the website. You got about 200 copies of Alpha Dogs, less than 100 of Stark Villains, and then right at 100 of Dogpile. Now, the only printings that we're going to do the rest of this year are going to be Dogpile. So if you have neglected to get Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, or Flim Flam, you need to go ahead and act pretty soon. Again, that's at dogpiledbook.com. While you're there, maybe if you know a turkey hunter in your life, pick up the turkey hunting book too. Uh, not my book, but it's uh, someone that is a very, 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 very important person in Mississippi State's history. Uh, was a pre- professor emeritus, a naturalist of sorts, and wrote his memoirs. And sadly, he died before the book was published. And so we're trying to help uh, his family and his widow get those books uh out into the hands of people. But yeah, you can go to turkeyhuntingbook.com or you can just go to dogpilebook.com, but all leads the same place. Uh, you can get those things taken care of. Uh, Chris Jans also introduced to the Mississippi State family. Had a chance to watch that. I was impressed with Coach Jans. Uh, you know, and I knew what to expect from him as a basketball coach. I thought he handled himself really well. Uh, I wasn't really happy that the fact that the question gets asked about the incident at Bowling Green. You know, at, at what point do we move on from that? He was vetted by Wichita State. They found no issues. He was vetted by New Mexico State. They found no issues. We vetted him and hired him. I don't understand. Uh, I think there's some agenda-driven journalism out there at times. It's like, well, let's go ask the most inappropriate question to get the most clicks we can possibly get. I don't support it. I understand there's a time that you ask that question. That time was asked when he's hired at New Mexico State. You know, Mike Leach was hired here. And, you know, we just had Mike Leach show up and we had a press conference. It wasn't a situation where it's like, oh, let's go dig up as much uh, dirt or perceived dirt as we can possibly find. Uh, the reality of it is, is Chris Jans is involved in an unfortunate situation. 
It was an isolated incident by all accounts, and uh, it was handled. It cost a man his job. Why does he have to serve a life sentence for it? That's what I don't understand. And I don't understand why we have to, well, let's just keep talking about it. Well, how do we ever move forward in life if we just keep talking about those things? If, if it's already been addressed, I could understand at no point it had ever come up, and he never had a chance to make a public comment about it. I would fully understand and appreciate it. I don't respect the question. I don't respect the agenda behind it. Uh, and that may, that may hurt some feelings, and I'm perfectly okay with that. I can live with that. I can promise you. I, but I think it's absolutely silly. As somebody that uh, got into a world of trouble back in 1991 and 92, you know, I can tell you that uh, there are still people 30 years later that want to kind of throw that up in your face. And uh, I don't think it's fair. You know, I've kind of learned to live with that. Uh, especially when you're maybe as controversial as I can be at times. But the reality of it is, is I think it's uh, foolhardy for people to continue to mention that. And I, I absolutely have no respect for any of that whatsoever. I don't think that's a time and a place for it. That time and place has already passed. I look forward to a great time with Chris Jans. And once again, I commend Director of Athletics John Cohen for coming through and really hitting two home runs, I believe, on these coaching searches. And I don't know that John's getting enough credit for that. One thing I will say, though, there are some people that have been very critical of John that have come out and said, hey, you know, listen, I didn't expect it to go as well as it did with this hiring search, but it did go well. And uh, I think ultimately the proof is in the pudding. And I think Sam Purcell and Chris Jans are going to win a lot of basketball games here at Mississippi State. I think the Humphrey Coliseum is going to once again roar back to life. And I think we're going to look back and say, you know what, John did a great job here. I believe right now we can say John did a great job. Uh, And I would venture to say probably the two best hires in the SEC, LSU getting Matt McMahon from Murray State and Mississippi State getting Chris Jans. And I actually feel like Chris Jans is a better fit for us. I would have been happy with McMahon. Uh, I think Chris Jans, though, is kind of the Mississippi State story. I think in some respects he's a bit of an underdog. And then, of course, you know, Matt McMahon's a guy that uh, probably got overpaid to go to LSU because of these pending sanctions. And you know what? Hey, good for Scott Woodard for getting that, that, that contract done. But uh, I think we can feel really good about the job that has been done to find these two coaches to lead Mississippi State basketball uh, into a new era. I'm excited and really for the first time in a long time, really excited about both sides of things. You know, I know the last couple of years we've kind of endured, um, you know, women's basketball season. You know, we had higher hopes on the men's side here the last couple of years. And this year, women's basketball, again, tip of the cap, Doug Novak, doing a great job under very difficult circumstances. But at the end of the day, I think you have to look at the recruiting aspect of it. And as I've mentioned before to you guys, there is not an AAU women's basketball coach in America that doesn't know who Sam Purcell is. Zero. I don't think Doug Novak has that same notoriety among those circles. That's not in any way a shot at Doug Novak. It's just the reality of the situation. I've had somebody recently tell me Doug Novak actually getting some interest from Delta State. I think that would be great. I'd love to see that happen. I think Doug deserves to be a head coach somewhere. And I think Delta State would do really well to have a guy like him. Probably usher in you know, a new era of basketball there as well. So, Doug, we're rooting for you. We are. And we appreciate your contributions to Mississippi State Athletics. Again, it is a baseball show today. We're going to be very, very baseball heavy. So, if you like college baseball, you picked a good day to listen. Let's take some time now to thank our, our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will, too. Many of you are already raving fans 
of that fine establishment. Began right here in Stark Vegas on University Drive, expanded to Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and now Lake Harbor Drive there in the Roots and Flowood area. Be sure and go check them out. You'll be glad you did. Have the spring rolls for your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. I submit to you there is not a better advertiser in Starkville proper than those spring rolls. Have the pimentology, add bacon, get the smokehouse, get the Bryant, whatever you'd like. There's a burger for everybody. Uh, no matter what you like, what you what you kind of fancy, they can take care of you there. And maybe you don't want to eat that heavy. Maybe You know, Steve, I went to Bulldog Burger Company because the kids wanted that, but I don't want to eat that heavy. Well, have that great BLT sandwich. You'll be glad you did. I always get it grilled. You may like it fried. I don't judge. You eat it however you want to eat it. But uh, if you can finish it, you might be a better man than me. I, I just I, I can't. The portions are so substantial. I always leave a little something behind. I just do. And that's not that I'm ungrateful. It's just I get full and I don't want to overeat. You get your money's worth at Bulldog Burger Company. I guarantee you that. Great service with a smile. Great food. Great products. Great atmosphere. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. A lot's happened since we spoke. You know, we had the, uh, the Wednesday preview of Southern Baseball. Now, the first thing that I will tell you about that game, the reason that I was really excited about the game is we have had situations this year when we have struggled to hit the soft-tossing junk ball left-hander. That's exactly what we got with Christian Paul. And we rocked him. We did. You remember the Grand Point State game, similar situation, similar pitching strategy against Mississippi State. We managed just two runs, very fortunate to win the game, but we did. We have scored 45 runs in the past three games. I mentioned earlier this year it's going to be very offensive in the SEC. It's going to be a very offensive lineup for Mississippi State. You're beginning to see that as guys like R.J. Yeager settle in. Kellum Clark gets it going. You know, we continue to talk about, well, you know, the big three. Well, you know, Cam James actually leads a team in hitting right now. Ty with Brad Cumbust. And I think Cam's getting it going. And uh, LT's had some big at-bats here as of late. Lucas, the guy, had a couple doubles last weekend in a game against Georgia. Uh, and it's just a matter of time before all the horses start pulling. And once they do, I think this team is going to be even more offensive than they have been to date. So let's take a little time and go back over this Southern game, kind of give you an advanced uh, preview of what, what is to come. And uh, Pico Cone gets the uh, or Pico Cone gets the first start. Sometimes I'm not sure if it's Cone or, or whatever, but it is Cone. It's not Con. It's Cone. Big, big, big strapping left-hander and expecting him to win a lot of games. He's actually pitching before he's ready and uh, does a pretty good job here uh, in this first quarter. First quarter, first inning, uh, we get a ground out, a roll out the first. Uh, kind of got deep in the count, got behind 3-0, battled back. We get the out there. Give up a single through the left side. And then Luke Hancock, who was working behind the plate, sees that Smith kind of strays a little bit too far off the bag. We pick him off at first base. And then we get a ground out to get out of the inning. And so not a 1-2-3 inning, but uh, we don't – we basically retired the side in order when you factor in the pickoff there. And, again, great job by Luke Hancock. And that's his future. Right, that's it. He's not a he's not a first baseman in the minor leagues. He will be a catcher. But you know, you're playing behind Logan Tanner. That's uh, probably a first rounder. You know, Luke's a guy too that doesn't strike out very much, and he's a guy too that I think once he gets in the minor leagues, he's really going to take off. All right, bottom of one, Mississippi State is scoreless here, but uh, we have some opportunities. Jess Davis flies out to right. Cam James singles to center field and really struck the ball well. Got ahead in the two zero count. Called strike, couple foul balls, and then works the count full and lines it back up the box. 
Luke Hancock walks on four pitches. So now we've got runners at first and second. Need to find a way to move these guys around. Well, we don't. And this is one of the only times in this game we couldn't get the key base hit with a runner in scoring position. LT flies out to center field. Uh, Cam tags and goes to third. And then Hines pops up to the shortstop. No score after one inning to play. Top of second, uh, Mack rips a ball down the third baseline for Southern that gives them a leadoff double. And rather than panic, Pico bears down, doesn't allow the runner to really make a, a serious play for home. We get a strikeout looking, then a strikeout swinging, and then there is a um, – we decided to run a pick play at second, and nobody covered. I don't know if it was called from the dugout called from Luke or whatever, but nobody covered. So Pico turns and throws the ball into center field, and um, the runner takes third. But we get a fly out to center field the very next pitch, and the inning is over. The side is retired, excuse me. Bottom of second, this is when State really gets it going. Uh, Kellum Clark pops up to second base, one of the few balls he's hit recently that wasn't an absolute, you know, mortar shell somewhere. And then Cumbus singles to right field. And when Brad is really going good, you know, Brad's a dead pull hitter, but he's learning to take that breaking ball away the opposite way. This is what happens here. He singles that ball into right field. Jaeger then walks on five pitches. Now we've got runners at first and second. We mentioned before getting the big hit with the runner in scoring position. That's what happens here. Uh, Leggett actually flies out to center field, and Cumbus takes, takes third on the tag there. And then Jess Davis, our leadoff hitter, and I believe he is probably entrenched in the lineup now. I think he is the guy. He doubles to right center. And two runs score on the play. Outstanding effort there. And then uh, Davis goes to take third on the throw to the plate. So now all of a sudden you've got a guy at third. Need the big hit. Well, Cam James then absolutely pulls a rocket to left uh, to make it a 4 nothing ball game. Luke pops up to first and uh, the inning is over. But it is now 4 nothing. And again, I go back to that Grand Wayne State game. Every time we had a chance to, to make something happen, we struggled to get a base runner or to move a runner. And here we are, you know, now into the second time through the order, and we've played it four runs. Top of third, we kind of gift them a little bit here. Uh, one of those things that just didn't quite work out for us, but you get the ground out to first, and then we walk Wiley, the nine-hole hitter, on four pitches. I mean, how many times do you see that guy come around to score? The nine-hole hitter is a nine-hole hitter for a reason, and then we don't challenge, and we walk him on four pitches, and then next thing you know, there is a double. They hold the runner at third, and I don't know why they didn't just send him. I don't. Makes no sense to me. No clue why they didn't send him. Doesn't burn him, though. Smith comes through with the fly out to left. Everybody tags. Now it's a 4-1 ball game. We come back and get a K. But, again, you walk the nine-hole hitter, you're flirting with disaster. All due respect to Molly Hatchet. Bottom of third, State really puts the game away right here. Logan Tanner opens up with a double to left. Really struck that ball well. Hines and singles back up the middle, and there's LT scoring from second to make it a 5-1 game. Kellum Clark then absolutely hits a missile in the right field, makes it 7-1. Cumbus follows with a home run, and then Jaeger, a home run. First time since 2009, Mississippi State's going back-to-back-to-back. That happened against Alabama, as noted on Twitter. Uh, but here we go. You know, it's like we, they enter the game, and there are three guys with six dingers, and then Clark hits one to give him seven. Two pitches later, Cumbus hits one to give him seven. And then Jaeger hits his fifth. You start getting all the horses pulled. I'm telling you, this could be a dangerous team. Leggett then flies out to short to short left. And then they finally pull Christian Paul after he has allowed nine runs. If memory serves me correct, he had allowed eight runs the entire season. We had nine in three innings. 
Jess Davison strikes out swinging with Nick Luckett on the mound, and then Cam James walks and still second. And then Luke Hancock grounds out to first unassisted. All right, so we get into the top of four here, and uh, Drew Talley comes in. And, uh, you know, Drew has been a little bit better as of late. You know, he got off. He was a guy that, you know, we weren't sure what to expect from him. But the guy's a competitor, and, uh, you know, he's had some good outings for us. This was not one of them. However, you know, the first inning of relief, he does a pretty good job here. We give, we give up a double to right center, and then we there's a ground out to third. There's a walk, and then we get back-to-back uh, strikes swinging there. So we allow two base runners in the inning, but nobody comes around to score. Bottom of four, State really puts this thing away here. It's already a 9-1 ball game, and you know the chances of them coming back uh, are, are very, very slim. And then you got LT doubling the left center again, leading off an inning with an extra base hit, automatically putting himself in a scoring position, and we make everybody pay for it. Uh, Siebert uh, is a, uh, comes in to run here for LT. Uh, who was the designated hitter, and then goes to third on a wild pitch. Hunter Hines and singles to the right side to score the run and make it 10-1. And then Hines is out trying to steal. Catcher to shortstop there. All right, so you think, okay, the inning's over. Wrong. Kellum Clark then walks, and that's one of the things, too. Your discretion's a better part of valor. Even when you're a slugger, sometimes you got to let them walk you. Well, then they walk Cumbus. We pinch run for Cumbus with Matt Quarter. And then Jaeger flies out the center field. And then it gets crazy. It's a wild pitch here, and we score two runs on a wild pitch. It doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often. Like we had two runs score against us down there at two lane on a sack fly. We score two on a wild pitch. Matt Quarter, of course, the, uh, the trail runner there, does a good job. Now, all of a sudden, you know, it is a 12-1 um, ball game. 12-1. Uh, leg walks. Good at bat there for him. Start moving some guys around, and Braylon Skinner grounds out to first. So it's a 12-1 ball game after four innings. There is no mystery left in this game. And, of course, Chris Lamonis is already substituting very liberally here. All right, we have an interesting inning here in the fifth. We bring in some guys, of course, that uh, to get them some playing time. You know, Skinner, of course, and Slate Offord, and Matt Quarter, and Davis Match. Forsyth comes in. Immediately, we give a double down the left field line and a single to right. And then they run the double steal, the, the kind of the U-triple-S-A play, where they, where they send the runner from first to second. We throw through and they take home. It's amazing that, that happens on the college level. Then there is the single down the right field line from Smith. Then Porter doubles down the left field line. And it's like all of us, what is happening? What is happening? And then Mag doubles to the left center. It's a 12-5 ball game. And then, and then so Chris Lamonis walks out there. Chris is not happy. I don't blame him for being unhappy. I know many of you are unhappy with maybe what you saw Chris say. And let, let me just say this. As a guy that played high school athletics and a guy that coached high school athletics, when I see these comments, I basically what, what you're telling me is you haven't done either. Honestly. I can't even begin to tell you some of the things that I heard, you know, as a high school athlete. You know, I had coaches that talked to me like men. They treated me like man. They expected me to behave like a man. I didn't always do it. But they didn't mince words with me, and sometimes that's what I needed. You ever go out to a high school football practice, you know, when the teachers and administrators aren't around? You'll see a lot of this stuff, too. I, now, Chris is upset. Got to get your point across. But I don't know why you embarrass a kid. I, I think, to honestly, Drew Towie's a competitor. I suspect to you Drew is probably more upset about giving up five base hits in the inning 
in a ball game that should have already been over. And then all of a sudden, rather than kind of have a Johnny Holstaff day to get some guys some work, now all of a sudden we got to bring in Brandon Smith to kind of put the fire out. I have no problem with how Chris Lamonis handled himself. I know that Drew, Drew Talley is a guy that gets it. I know that he understands he's got to do a better job there. He knows it. Nobody feels worse about that than Drew does. But I, I see these comments sometimes, and, I, and I'll just say I, I, I think it's a little soft. I'm just, I'm just let, letting you know. We just won an AFL championship, and we didn't win an AFL championship by treating this team like the Boy Scouts. Sometimes, sometimes you got to put somebody on to understand program. You got to convey the expectations. Hey, you know, we, it's it's eleven run game. We're just trying to get out of here and let you get some work. And all of a sudden, we can't locate the breaking ball, and everybody's sitting dead red fastball. And now, instead of being eleven run game, it's a seven run game. We bring in Brandon Smith. Brandon gets a strikeout, swinging ground out a second strikeout, swinging. So kind of quell the uprising there, but it really changed the complexion of the game. Not to mention the fact that we had pulled some of our offensive regulars to let some younger guys get some PT. Well, now all of a sudden, you say, well, Steve, it's seven, seven runs. It is. Yeah, but what happens if we can't get outs and all of a sudden, you know, Cam's out of the game and, you know, Kellen Clark's out of the game. You know what I'm saying? It's like you do all these things, you know, with the hope that the game is over. So you got to finish the game here. Bottom of five, uh, we go one, two, three. Slate Offord strikes out swinging. Hancock grounds out the first. And Lucas grounded out the first a lot this year. Seabrook grounds out the shorts. It's a one, two, three inning. If I'm Southern, I'm thinking, okay, let's go get some runs here. We can sneak back into this thing. Plenty of game left. Brandon Smith, who I am a fan of, goes one, two, three. We get a strikeout looking, a ground out the first, and a ground out to the catcher on a bunt. It's one, two, three inning. And now all of a sudden, you know, the outs are not a favor in favor of Southern. You, know, you eat that inning up and you start thinking, all right, let's get things going. Bottom of six, they changed pitchers again. And uh, we, we made some good contact here, but we didn't get anything from it. Hines flies out the center. Clark singles to right, takes second on a wild pitch, and then quarter flies out the center field and Mesh strikes out swinging. So here we are. You know, not able to expand the lead. And I know it's like, hey, you put these guys in, you're, you're basically – you know, trying to be hospitable and sportsmanlike here, but that's back-to-back innings. We weren't able to put anything in, uh, across the plate. We bring in Brooks Auger, and another guy I'm a big fan of, and I, I think he is rapidly becoming a guy that we can depend on. It's a one-two-three inning for Brooks. Strikeout, swinging, fly out to center, fly out to center. Very efficient there. You know, that's that's the thing you look at with all this stuff, and you begin to kind of realize too. The better part of relief pitching sometimes is pitching the contact and letting the defense work for you, getting soft contact, making them put the ball in play. So you get the K and you get the, these, these fly out to center, and all of a sudden you look up and you realize, you know, well, we're talking an eight, nine pitch inning here. You know, that, that'll get it done. Maybe ten pitches. All right, bottom of seven, they change pitchers again. And what do we do? We go one, two, three. Forsyth strikeout looking. Skinner on a very non-competitive bat strikes out on three pitches. And then Slate Offord flies out to right field. Three consecutive innings. We didn't do anything. Top of eight. Auger back out there. It's a one, two, three inning, and he strikes out the side. Looking, swinging, swinging. Now all of a sudden you start thinking, okay, Brooks Auger's starting to put some good uh, performances together. Maybe he becomes, you know, your late inning guy. Maybe he's your bridge to the end. And, and is Jackson Fristo becoming the closer? I don't know. 
Bottom of eight. Instead of getting ready to swing again, we get a chance to put a couple runs up here. And you'd like to be able to get some insurance runs, even though the game is ultimately decided here. But you don't want to, you know, finish out a ball game putting up four or five zeros. Thankfully, we don't. Luke singles to center to open the inning. Siebert strikes out swinging. Then Luke goes to a second on the pass ball. And then Hunter Hines homers. So he ties with Cumbus and Clark with seven home runs apiece for the team lead. Now it's 14 to 5. Clark follows with a double to right. They, they change pitchers again. Uh, we get a strikeout swinging and another strikeout swinging to end the inning. The, in, the Bulldog reserves didn't do much offensively in this game. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. You know, when you're competing for a job and you get a chance, you get an at bat or two, you got to find a way. That's what Jess Davis did. You know, Jeff Davis, Jess Davis was a late inning replacement. When he got in, he put the baseball in play. Now he's in the starting lineup. Top of nine, we bring in Fristo, who has finally got his velo back. Looks outstanding. I think he had 96 one time on the gun. Strikeout swinging, strikeout looking, strikeout looking. Ball game over. Drive home safely. 14-5, Mississippi State. Uh, you're winning. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever.
winners. And so, yeah, some things to like about the game. You look at it and say, hey, you know, it's a 14-5 result. Uh, you hit a soft toss and lefty all around the yard, which shows that we're learning and able to stay back on that and staying off our front foot. We're able to hit some line drives and, uh, you know, put some pace on the ball. But the reality of it is, is that, um, you know, Drew Talley didn't have a great appearance. Didn't. And sometimes it's like that. Sometimes you just don't have a good day. You don't have command of that secondary pitch. That was the case for him in the second inning of his stint. Then you bring in Brooks Ocker, who was outstanding. And Fristo was outstanding. So we have talked about offensive problems earlier in the year. They have clearly been addressed. Uh, can we keep that continuing this weekend? We'll talk about that a little bit more in the show. But you're starting to see this lineup settle and produce. You know what you have starting pitching-wise on the weekends, and now you're beginning to identify some pieces you can trust. I am not moving away from Drew Talley. The guy just had a bad day. And I know that's one of the things that we – oh, we can't trust that guy. You know, you know, whether it be him or Fristo or whoever, at some point we've said that about everybody on the staff. Even Landon Sims, when he was a freshman. You, know, you tried him out there and you never knew if he was going to go to the screen or go to the mitt. I mean, you know, there is a development process in place – and you're beginning to see that happen. Now can we do it on an SEC weekend? Can Brooks Auger go out there and come in relief of somebody after a six or seventh inning stint and get us a couple innings and get us home? Yeah, that's the question now. But we're getting there. We're getting there. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, we're beginning to play better baseball. And I still think our best baseball is still to come. I really do. And maybe you agree. Look forward to seeing you guys out at the Duty Noble Field uh, this evening. All right, time for our prime shrimp player of the game. And we've got a lot of options to choose from here. I don't know if you guys are familiar with prime shrimp. You certainly should be. Prime shrimp is an outstanding, outstanding Louisiana company providing quality shrimp direct to your door. They've been peeling shrimp since the 1940s. And here's the best thing about it. You say, Steve, I love some shrimp, but it's just too much trouble. Not with primeshrimp.com. You go to primeshrimp.com, you pick out one of three great flavors. Maybe the French Quarter Alfredo is the way to go. I like the simply seasoned. I, basically, I like whatever I've had last, right? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but the reality of it is they send you this very well-packaged pouch of shrimp. They're already peeled. They're already deveined. You don't have to worry about any of that. You have to remove the tails. You just boil a bag of water, open up the pouch, drop them in. Ten minutes later, you got Louisiana flavor on your dinner table. Outstanding, outstanding company. I can't recommend them high enough. And here's the deal. Money back guarantee. If you don't love it, you get your money back. And all orders over four pounds ship for free directly to your door. Very well packaged. So if you like if the mailman drops it off in the morning, you don't get home till five, no worries. No worries. Your shrimp is protected and uh, still very much edible. Visit them today at primeshrimp.com and use promo code Boneyard to save yourself a little cash and let them know that we sent you. Risk-free purchase. Absolutely. You'll be glad you did. Again, that's primeshrimp.com. So let's pick our prime shrimp player of the game. A little more difficult this time. I mean, it really is. We had so many different players that had uh, really good ball games, and so let's look through here. And I, I think we're going to go, we're going to go with Hunter Hines today as our prime shrimp player of the game. Hunter Hines, kind of quietly having a great year. He could be a freshman All American. And you say, well, he's a designated hitter. Well, he's playing a lot at first base in the midweek, and he's your future first baseman. Made an outstanding defensive play. We didn't get the call, but there was a sliding stop that he made behind the bag and then tosses the first and the guy slides in and they called him safe uh like to reward the defense there but hunter hines offensively three for five on the day 
four RBIs and two runs scored. Uh, outstanding effort. I, I think we're getting more from him than we expected at this point in his career. I like Hunter Hines, and it's like because of the fact all of a sudden we've had this power surge, we don't talk about him enough. It's like, okay, yeah, well, it's great. Guys, he is a freshman with seven home runs. Outstanding. Outstanding start to his career at Mississippi State. I think we're going to be looking back at him in a couple of years and saying, you know what, that's a guy we wanted to play uh, late in the ballgame. Very excited about him. And, again, that's your prime shrimp player of the game, Hunter Hines. Look forward to seeing what Hunter can do this weekend. Let's get into today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. You guys know Blair. Blair is a friend of mine. He's a friend of yours. And more importantly, he is a friend in the industry. He sent me some information yesterday about how the refire market is beginning to kind of dry up a little bit. And so maybe now's a good time. Maybe you thought, hey, well, listen, I don't know what's going to happen with this. And now it's probably a good time. Not a lot of refis in the pipeline. And a lot of it's because, you know, I think people are just kind of curious to see what's going to happen with the economy. And so maybe like, hey, maybe you can get in the pipeline sooner and go to the closing table, but maybe a lot quicker than you have in the years past. And so uh, if you're looking to buy a home, Blair can help you with that. And the reality of that is, too, is uh, Blair has been in the mortgage business now for 21 years. Top 1% close ratio in the country. That's throughout the industry. That's not just, uh, you know, in uh, Tippa County. I mean, that is the entire uh, nation. Guy worked for Fairway Mortgage, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction and mortgage lending origination. Closed the second most uh, loans in the country last year. It's an outstanding deal. So you get the best guy from the best company doing the best job for you. Visit him at CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Or just call him. I'll give you his number since we're all friends and all. It's 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Uh, if you're looking to refi, maybe get some equity working for you. Maybe you need to consolidate some debt. Maybe you put it in a pool. Whatever you need to do, you've got some resources there. And Blair can help you untap them. Uh, for your your needs be sure and check them out again that's closeblair.com all right let's do top 10 lists roy decided you know what we've been riding this train for here a couple weeks now and many of you have reached out so we're going to listen i was hesitant to do this list i really was i really really was and we did the careers cut short by tragedy and i didn't mention selena didn't mention ronnie van zandt so I, I, I missed them i did I explained to you guys what we didn't have Skinner more prominently mentioned in the, in the list. but uh, And then we decided to go back and do um, you know, those that were impacted by addiction. Well, today we're doing the suicide list, and I, and I hate to even call it that. Um, but the reality of it is, is that it's something we need to talk about. I mean, mental illness is a real thing. It is a real thing. And the truth of the matter is, in this day and time, this, and, and throughout recorded history, there are more resources available today for people that struggle with depression and mental illness than there ever have been in the history of the world. And so if you're a person that is having these type of thoughts, you know, reach out to somebody. You're not, you don't have to struggle alone. And as somebody that fought depression and, and chemical dependency uh, earlier in my life, I can tell you, you, know, when you, when you actually get some help and you're willing to talk to people and be honest, you'd be amazed at the kind of progress you can make and change your life. So again, let me encourage you. If, uh, if you're one of those people that uh, you know, perhaps has had some negative thoughts, then uh, be sure and uh, reach out to somebody. Let me give you some help here with that. I'm, I'm going to take after Katie Babs, my uh, Twitter friend from SiriusXM Octane. And uh, she always does this at the end of her shift. She will always share the National Suicide Hotline. So if you're one of those people 
This is available 24 hours a day in multiple languages. 1-800-273-8255. That is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. 1-800-273-8255. If you can't remember the number, reach out to me. I'm happy to give it to you. Anonymity guaranteed. Guaranteed. All right, so let's get into this. Sadly, uh, really a list in many respects that uh, has some huge names on it and some people that kind of change the direction of music. We're going to start, though, with number 10, Ian Curtis from Joy Division. You can say, well, Steve, I don't know Joy Division. Well, they were kind of a synth new wave pop band from across the pond there in England and uh, really one of the pioneers of it. They and Depeche Mode were kind of contemporaries in many respects. And Ian Curtis uh, ended up committing suicide. And uh, so we're going to go with uh, Love Will Tear Us Apart. That's their biggest hit. And uh, what's interesting, too, is after Ian Curtis died, Joy Division elected to change the name of the group. And you're probably familiar with these guys. It's New Order. Yeah, that's right. So New Order kind of rose like a phoenix from the ashes of Joy Division. Uh, Number nine, going back several years. And this is a story, too. I wish somebody would film a documentary about this. There's so much craziness with this whole. You remember the band Badfinger? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Pete Ham was the lead singer of Badfinger. We're going to go with No Matter What. Number, is your number nine song. But Pete Ham was like, Badfinger was kind of funded by the mob. That was the rumors that they had some people with links to organized crime that were kind of funding the band. They were like sponsors of the band. And so as a result, these guys just wanted to go out and tour and, you know, party and that sort of stuff. Well, then there was all this issue about the money. Well, the money was all going to the organized crime syndicate. And so the guys at Badfinger were basically impoverished in many respects and then pete ham allegedly committed suicide there is some mystery about that too there are some people that think that he was essentially murdered and made it look like a suicide uh, because of some of these issues that they had had with the, the money uh, with badfinger and then later the guitar player uh, for badfinger ended up uh, killing himself too and so a little intrigue and mystery with all of that i would love to know more about that number okay number eight we haven't talked about this group a lot, and I've had some people ask me to do a top 10, and guys, there's only about 10 songs in, in their history, but they are one of the most innovative and irreverent bands in the history of the world. They're now defunct. It's the Sex Pistols. So we're going to go with Sid Vicious here, and that's that Sid and Nancy story is just absolutely atrocious. Um, Sid was one of these people that bought his own hype and tried to live up to a, to a life of hyperbole to kind of match his onstage image, uh, ultimately became an addict, murdered his girlfriend, killed himself. It was absolutely awful. Um, but the Sex Pistols, again, you know, Johnny Rott and those guys just, you know, they changed a lot of things, and uh, they were really in your face. And probably their most controversial song of all time, we're going to talk about it on the show. It was banned by BBC Radio. It's not banned here. It's God Save the Queen. God Save the Queen. And uh, if you go read the lyrics, you can understand why the royal family was probably upset with that. All right, number seven, we're going to step out of the rock uh, realm for a while, and we're going to go country music here. One of the saddest stories that I know on the country music side is of Mindy McCready. Uh, you guys are probably well aware of her story. Just an incredible artist. Uh, guys do it all the time. We're going to go with that one for her. That's the song, too, where it's like, you know, she goes out partying or whatever, comes home late, and it's like all the, the same excuses, right? Well, I would have called, but it was so late to call, so I just came home. Didn't mean to wake you, you know. Guys do it all the time, but, you know, it's a double standard for women. And uh, Mindy McCready, very, very talented. Of course, she was linked with Roger Clemens. There's all this controversy about all that stuff. And, and um, 
the father of her child killed her, killed himself. And then, you know, the depression of all that eventually just became too much for her to take. And she did the same thing in the same place. And a really, really sad story. And yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't think, I look back and listen to this music sometimes and I think, you know, it, it would be a shame not to listen to this music because people died under such uh, difficult circumstances. Yeah, I don't think you can just write them off and say, no, we're not going to do that. All right, number six, Brad Delp from Boston. Man, what a sad tale this is. I mean, they all are. There aren't any, there aren't any suicide stories that end as a happy ending, right? I mean, every one of them is a sad story. But uh, Brad Delp from Boston, one of the best vocalists in that time. And the thing that I love about Boston, I've, I've jammed Boston some this week, is how rich the sound is. You know, there are some bands, it just kind of sounds airy. I mean, bands like Boston just filled up the radio. They fill up the speakers. It's such a layered, solid sound. Um, and so we're going to go with Something About You, which is kind of an underappreciated classic from Boston. You know, Brad Delp was a guy, too, and, and killed himself in this incredibly interesting way, I guess, in some respects. He he lit a couple of barbecue grills in his room and sealed the door and died of carbon monoxide poisoning. I mean, it's just incredibly sad. And he, again, it's this cautionary tale. It's like we think these people are so rich and famous that everything's going well for them. Then you find out, and in some respects, many of these people have kind of made deals with the devil, and eventually it catches up with them. And I, and I mean that metaphorically, not literally. Uh, number five, Doug Hopkins from the Jim Blossoms. If you have never listened to the new miserable experience in its entirety, you owe it to yourself to do that. I love the Jim Blossoms first album. I don't love the rest of the Jim Blossoms albums because Doug Hopkins is not on them. Now the second album did have some Doug influence, kind of some leftover stuff they worked on. Doug Hopkins was an absolute musical savant. He was an incredible composer of music. He was an incredible lyricist. He was able to process his pain and get it from his heart onto the printed page and eventually into a song. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. As a matter of fact, they're filming a documentary about Doug Hopkins' life, and I can't wait to watch it. But Doug Hopkins was a guy, too, that, um, you know, he got kicked out of the band. He signed a really bad deal. Doug was an alcoholic. He was a hopeless alcoholic. He was constitutionally incapable of being honest with himself and others. He was a self-saboteur. He did everything he could um, you know, to kind of get things out there. But he, I think he was so afraid of failure that he would do things himself to sabotage himself and the band so he would feel some measure of control. And so ultimately, after he'd signed this awful deal and signed all his royalties over to his replacement in the Jim Blossoms, which is awful, uh, he eventually gets his gold record, and that was the biggest goal in his life, and shortly thereafter, he shot and killed himself. And uh, so in honor of Doug and Doug's memory, we're going with Found Out About You, which I think is the best Jim Blossoms song. Number four, Guy was a worldwide pop music icon. It's Michael Hutchins from NXS. Uh, Michael, another guy, too, that uh, they don't know if it was an accidental hanging. It depends on who you talk to. I guess some people can't come, come to grips with all of that. But uh, Michael Hutchins uh, died in a very, very, very sad way. And, um, you yeah, know, he was a guy, too, that, um, you know, lived life with no boundaries in many respects. And um, an incredibly talented guy. They had amazing hair. Uh, New Sensation. That's your number four song, New Sensation from NXS. Number three, I would be remiss, and you guys know that I am not a Nirvana fan, but it, is, it, is, it would be disingenuous to suggest they did not have a major impact on American music in the early 90s. Uh, it didn't last very long, but you know, the, the 80s rock and metal scene had gotten so bloated, people were eager for something else. 
And that's when grunge came around. Now, Nirvana, in many respects, has been falsely, falsely attributed as the godfathers of grunge. They really weren't. They just kind of rode the wave that was started by others like, uh, you know, Mudhoney and the Melvins, uh, Screaming Trees, uh, Mother Love Bone, of course. And we didn't mention Andy the other day, and we should have. It's a mistake on my part. But to suggest that Nirvana wasn't huge, it's just being dishonest. They were. They were the big band for a short time in that scene. And then for a while, there was the Nirvana-Pearl Jam uh, rivalry, and, and that probably skewed my opinion of Nirvana a little bit too. And then there's and Nirvana came out and tried to pick a fight with Guns N' Roses. You know, so it was like the battle of the eras there. But, um, you know, Kurt Cobain, uh, a very tortured individual, had tried to kill himself before over in Europe, didn't work out, and ultimately shot himself. Uh, but the song that started it all for them, and, you know, I know a lot of people – there are a lot of people that are true Nirvana hipsters that kind of reject some of the Nevermind stuff, but you got to go with Smells Like Teen Spirit. That, that To me, that is the rockin'est song. My favorite Nirvana song, if I have one, is Heart Shaped Box, but uh, you can't mention a list like this without mentioning Kurt Cobain, and there are a lot of fans and people that love uh, them and what they stood for. I just can't figure out what that is. Uh, but all that said, uh, Kurt Cobain, uh, gone too soon, certainly. Number two, is uh, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. And um, this is one of those ones, too, that I really felt. You know, it's like I knew that Chester had been an addict, and it was all kind of issues with that, and he was a guy in recovery, and uh, hung himself on Chris Cornell's birthday, on what would have been Chris's 53rd birthday. Uh, Chris and Chester had become great friends, and um, they toured together, and uh, because Chris is in recovery, he and Chester kind of bonded over that. And then when we lost Chris, Chester lost Chris, and uh, they were about to perform the Jimmy Fallon show, and you can find this video online on YouTube, and um, it's very emotional, and I go back and watch it sometimes, too. They sing One More Light, which is our number two song, One More Light from Linkin Park, but it's the day they found out that Chris had died, and then they get up and sing this song, and uh, Chester can barely make it through. And it just shows the bond between those two individuals. And so you probably know where we're going now. Number one, Chris Cornell, probably the celebrity death that I felt the most intensely in my entire life. Chris Cornell wrote the soundtrack to my life in recovery in many respects. I discovered Soundgarden in depth when I was in rehab. I had heard of Soundgarden, had never bought an album. And ironically, I had a roommate that was an Ole Miss fan that really kind of turned me on. He goes, dude, you would love these guys. And the next thing you know, I was a Soundgarden freak, and I've been a Chris Cornell fan the rest of my life. And so we're actually going to go with a track off of the Temple of the Dog album today. Could have gone a lot of different directions here. We're going to go Say Hello to Heaven, which is a song that Chris wrote to his dear friend Andrew Wood after his passing. So there you go. Kind of a depressing list in some respects, to be honest with you. But let's, again, celebrate the lives they led and the music they created that brought us all so much joy. So there you go, your top ten list. Reach out, let me know if you have ideas for the top ten list. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. You can find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. He's older than me, which is why it's 6-7. He's not 67 yet, but he is older than me. So thanks to Roy and uh, Izzy for all they do to put these lists on Spotify and Apple Music for everybody so we can enjoy them together. I've recently been informed, as you guys have been as well, Iverson Molinar has elected to enter his name into the NBA draft pool. He is not signing with an agent to protect his eligibility. 
I think it is important, too, that we, there's a couple things we should say here. Number one, Iverson Molinar should be celebrated at Mississippi State. Guy's been outstanding for us. Has played hard for us. He's done his best to carry this team forward. He's been an integral part of our success. As limited as it may be, it hasn't been his fault. If he had complimentary players around him, it might be an NCAA tournament. But Iverson Molinar could elect to come back and play college basketball. We want that to be in Maroon and White. We want him to come back and enjoy the college experience here at Mississippi State. He and his family both value education. It's an important aspect in every bit of this. So please, 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 let's not go to social media and make negative comments about Iris Molinar. Oh, we'll see it. No, we want him back. We absolutely do. And a matter of fact, if you see that kind of commentary, I would ask that you defend Iverson Molinar because he's not worthy of that criticism. I know how fans can be at times. We take things personally. But Iverson Molinar is a guy that uh, could come back and could be a very, very big part of things for Chris Jans. And he said in his statement that um, you know, he, he liked what Chris Jans had as far as his vision for Mississippi State basketball. So we want Iverson to come back. And so please be supportive on social media. Please, please, please. All right, let's take a look at the Alabama Crimson Tide baseball program. This sponsor, this this segment of the show is sponsored by Campus Bookmart. You guys know Stand and Man. I'll I'll be with them tomorrow. I believe that's 10 to 2.30. 12, 12 30, excuse me. Yeah, 10 to 12 30, and then I'll be over at the baseball game. So on your way to the game, swing by Campus Bookmart, and you can get signed copies of all five of my books. How about that? You can come get that handled in person get a picture if you want and there's free hugs with every purchase i don't know if we can talk to lovely talented susie into providing the hugs but worst case scenario i will give you the hug if you so desire it campus bookmark an outstanding place to shop an outstanding place to work so many great people there doing such a great job if you can't make it to town you can order my books and all the mississippi state merch that your heart desires at campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal boneyard listener we're going to save you a little money Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. You want something free in life, we're giving it to you. Free shipping. Free shipping from Campus Bookmart on that order over 50 bucks. And listen, you're going to say, you're going to be glad you did because many of you are going to buy a lot of Mississippi State merch. The more you buy, the more you save. All right, let's take a look at Alabama baseball. It has been an interesting year for Alabama baseball. I expect them to be better. I expect them to be better than they have been. So we'll see. I'm a Brad Bohannon fan. I think the guy can really coach. I think he's a great motivator. Started out really good. They got rolling and won their first five. They sweep a three-game series in Tuscaloosa against Xavier. They didn't take down Jacksonville State. And Jacksonville State, a very solid mid-major program. They get by Alabama State, and then they go to Texas. I mean, I commend them for going out and be willing to go, hey, let's go to Austin, Texas, and take on number one. And they did. And they competed down there. They got swept. They lose one nothing, 2 nothing, 6-1. And that's really kind of the book on Alabama is that they've, they've had difficulty scoring. But, uh, you know, hey – Texas is a very offensive lineup, and they hold those guys to just nine runs in three games. Very, very, very competitive series. 
They then lose a midweek game to UT Martin. The Texas thing took a lot of a lot of sauce out of them, to say the least. Well, they bounce back. They kind of get it going again. They beat Troy 8-1. Then they sweep a three-game set against Murray State, 5-1, 6-1, and 5-4. But, again, when you see these Alabama scores, they're not scoring a ton of runs. They lose a Wednesday game to North Alabama. Yes, North Alabama. It's a huge, huge loss. That's one that will sting the RPI all year. Last weekend before they saw us, or two weekends ago, excuse me, before Bingington came to us, Bingington went to Tuscaloosa. Alabama sweeps that series 9-3, 14-2, and 5-3. They lose a midweek game in Hattiesburg to Southern Miss. Midweek not been good to Alabama. That disappointment carries over the weekend. They host Florida at their place, and they lose 2-3. out of three, are able to salvage the Sunday game 8-7. 6-4, 13-6 wins for Florida, and then an 8-7 win uh, for Alabama. And then in the midweek, they go to Birmingham and lose again, 5-4 to four to UAB. So here is the, the greatest hits here. 13-9 overall, 1-2 in the SEC, 13-4 at home, and then 0-5 away from their place. And you know where this series is going to be played in Starkville. Guys, we need a sweep. We do. If we really want to climb back into this thing, I expect us to win the series, but we need to win all three of these. Let's take a quick, quick look at the inside the numbers here at Alabama. Look who's doing well, who's not, all that good stuff. And again, as I say offensively, not scoring a ton of runs. Not scoring a ton of runs. As a team, they're hitting 296, though. Putting the ball in play, just not always getting guys around. 113 RBIs on the year and 122 runs scored. Their opponents have scored just 91. And, of course, some of that is about the quality of comp- competition. Uh, Tommy Seidel is a guy that um, is a senior outfielder from them, from uh, originally from uh, Massachusetts. That's interesting, right? Hitting 377 on the year, started all 20 games. Uh, seven doubles, one home run, 14 RBIs, and six of six in stolen bases. The guy that gets on base, he's going to do his best to come around. Zane Denton, you may remember him. He is the third baseman last year that ran into Kellum Clark intentionally and got the uh, interference call on Clark. It was, it should have been an obstruction call. I will die on this hill. Do not tweet me with your nonsense. But Zane Denton is a really good baseball player. Hitting 306 for them, started all 22 games for them this year uh, there at third base. 85 at-bats, which uh, appears to be the team lead. Yeah, 85 at-bats, tied for the team lead. Uh, 17 runs, that's also a team high. 26 hits, seven doubles, and then seven home runs. Got to be careful with Zane Denton. Got to be careful with him. Outside of that, you know, there's a couple of guys that have some power that can hurt you, but he is a guy that you have to be very, very mindful of uh, also has been walked a team high 11 times. He is a big swing and miss guy at times. You can get him with the breaking ball. Struck out 16 times this year. Has not attempted uh, to steal a base. Uh, Dominic Tamez, catcher for them. Junior out of San Antonio, Texas. He is another guy, too, that uh, you know has been pretty skilled with the bat. 305 this year, 82 at-bats, uh, 25 hits. Scored just five runs. That's, that's kind of low. Uh, three doubles and then two dingers, 11 RBI for him. Jim Jarvis, familiar with him, are we not? Another infielder there. 
he's another guy that's kind of a, a grinded out guy at the plate. I remember against last year in that series, it seemed like we had a real difficult time getting him out. He really battled us. Started all 22 games, 85 at-bats, tied for the team lead there. 18 hits, which leads a team. Excuse me, 18 runs, which leads a team. And 25 hits, one double, two triples, uh, two dingers, and then the seven RBI. And he's four of five in stolen bases, another guy that will run the bases. Uh, Owen Diodati, this is a guy last year, had some big swings against us, originally from Canada, Niagara Falls, Ontario. Another outfielder, but they have used him some as a DH as well. And he was a guy last year we had to be awfully careful with. Hit 293 this year, uh, 14 runs, 24 hits, five doubles, six home runs, and then the 18 RBI. And outside of that, you know, it, it becomes kind of a you know, by committee approach. But, um, you know, they've got a, a pretty much a settled lineup. Uh, where they have seven of nine guys that have started 20 or more games. And so there's not a lot of, you know, mixing and matching depending on pitching matchups. Uh, that you'll see. You know, Caden Rose is a guy, too, that uh, has played extensively for them. They'll kind of move him around a little bit. He's a sophomore at a Bob Jones High School there in Madison, Alabama. Uh, guy's played pretty well, too. He was a guy last year that people said, hey, we think he's got a really bright future uh, ahead of him. And uh, appears that he does. But this is an Alabama offense at times that, again, has struggled to punch things together. 17 of 20 in stolen bases as a team. They're 19 of 23 against, though. So you get guys on base, you do have the ability to move them around uh, with the stolen base. They're, Alabama doesn't walk a ton, but they are willing to let you walk them. And by and large, again, most of those walks have come against their power hitters, you know, guys that, um, you know, can hurt you with the bat. You know, uh, kind of looking at numbers here, we talk about the 13 of the 27 home runs have come from two hitters, and you begin to kind of put the walks together too, about a third of the walks, those same two guys. So kind of feast or famine in some respects. But this is a team that is capable of beating Mississippi State if we help them. And the reality of that is, is we cannot afford to go out there and give them extra bases and give them extra outs. Now, if we play clean against these guys, I think it's a sweep. I really do. I don't think they have, you know, the bullpen uh, to kind of run with us. I think that we are such a great offensive team in many respects that we uh, we can make some things happen against them. Now, let's take a look at some of the guys that we're going to see. Uh, Grayson Hitt is a guy that has been really good for them on the SEC weekends, for sure. Um, sophomore out of Germantown, Tennessee. Left-hander, big guy, 6'3", 195. The deepest he has gone in a game this year was against Florida. He went five innings, six hits, allowed four runs. Three of those earned just four strikeouts. Not a big strikeout guy, even though he had a lot of success against Bingington. Uh, the Bearcats struck out seven times in four innings. But he is a guy that – you know, kind of gets you through the order a couple times, and then you get to the bullpen there. But uh, a guy that's, you know, done a pretty solid job for them. He has just a 1-0 record on the year, but an ERA of 233. 22 strikeouts against seven walks. So we're, you know, basically 3-1 to one there. And this is a staff, too, that basically pitches to contact. Not a ton of swing and miss uh, against their starters especially. Uh, Garrett McMillan is a guy, too, another junior from Tuscaloosa, played at Hillcrest there. Another guy's, you know, pitching pretty well. He goes a little bit deeper in the games, you know, averaging about six innings per start. Uh, pitched against Xavier, Texas, Murray State, Binghamton, and then Florida. And Florida got to him in five innings, eight hits, five runs, and then seven Ks against two walks in that ball game. Uh, and, again, these guys are going to be around the plate. ERA of three flat for him. And uh, he leads the staff in 30 innings pitch, allowed 20 hits and 10 earned runs, 29 Ks to just six walks. So, 
you know, nearly five to one there, nearly. And a guy that doesn't give up uh, a ton, I guess you could say, but he does have the, the propensity to elevate pitches and has allowed a team high five home runs on their staff. They've allowed 26 as a staff. He's allowed uh, five of those. Uh, Hagen Banks is a guy that we might see, but we're definitely going to see Antoine Jean uh, out of Montreal, Quebec, left-hander, 6'1", 180 pounds. Uh, again, decent outings this year, working about four or five innings a game, only went three and a third against Florida, allowed six hits, five runs, all of them earned two walks, one strikeout. So, again, not a team that's going to get a lot of swing and miss, but they're going to pitch the contest. So, you know, we're going to get some balls around the plate. We're going to have an opportunity to put some balls in play. It should be a warm weekend. Not sure what the wind is going to do. But it should be a chance for us to be rather offensively. And if these things turn into a slugfest, I think we win this thing really kind of going away. I think we have got to make hay this weekend and really climb back into it, especially with a big trip to Fayetteville looming. We can ill afford uh, to really have a losing record after three SEC series. So we need to – Find a way to sweep this one makes you four and two and gives you a little bit of margin heading for Arkansas. And Arkansas is a good team. We're going to go have to, have to go up there and play well. Uh, it's a tough environment. Many of your players will tell you it is the toughest environment they have played in uh, during their college careers up there in, in uh, Fayetteville. So this weekend, you got to take care of business. There's no doubt about it. You got to go out there and make some things happen. Uh, looking at this bullpen, too, uh, Hunter hopes or hoops. I apologize to the family. He has been outstanding for them this year in relief. Uh, a guy that, had, you know, you're going to see him at some point. The guy's got, what, eight appearances on the year? Yeah, eight appearances this year. And working in one inning stints, allowing about a hit per inning, but just two earned runs on the year. Seven walks, 22 Ks. Excuse me, 12 Ks and then the one walk. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a guy that's been pretty efficient here. So I'm certain at some point that we will see him. Uh, Jacob McCrary is McNary is a guy too that we saw last year, senior guy at Athens, Alabama. Could be a midweek starter, could be a you know long reliever on the weekend. So they've got some pieces, but the bottom line is they don't really have that starter you look at and say, okay, like we saw last weekend with Jonathan Cannon. Okay, this guy is really going to limit us. I think these are going to be guys that are going to compete but I don't think there's a shutdown guy in their order. This is going to be about us. We go up there and be disciplined, put the ball in play, play clean defensively, we should be able to win this game and win this series. I, I, I'm very confident about the weekend. Uh, but at the same time, too, I understand it's the SEC and anything can happen. So let's be excited about the opportunities that is to come. But, you know, uh, as a team, defensively, you know, pretty pretty decent, too. 981 is a team. Opponents against them just 979. But, uh you know, you don't look at this order and say, okay, well, there's a bunch of guys here that are making a bunch of mistakes. Drew Williamson leads a team with three errors. Uh, and that's, you know, that's not a big stretch. You know, you, you wouldn't take a guy out of for that. But you got a handful of guys who got one or two. But you don't look at somebody and say they're a defensive liability. But, um, yeah, listen, this is a, a good Alabama team that made the NCAA tournament last year. They understand that, you know, they get Florida in week one, the team that's picked to win the SEC, and they get the NFL champs in week two. I'm sure they're looking to get a kind of break in the schedule and probably coming over here thinking, let's just get one and stay in this thing. And then once we get against some other teams at our place, maybe we can make our way back into the tournament. Well, we need Alabama to win for us after we beat them because we need, we need that RPI boost. But um, I'm excited about the weekend. 
Should be a great weekend for college baseball. Hopefully you guys can turn out and be a part of that. And if you can't, then uh, you should be able to watch every game on the, uh, on the network, you know, the uh, SEC Network Plus. And so if you've got a smart TV, you can handle that. And if you, if you don't want to go through all that trouble on Sunday, it'll be on the SEC Network on the television without you having to go use your app and all that kind of stuff. At this point, I think everybody kind of understands how to handle that. But, um, again, an Alabama team capable of coming in here and beating us, but a team that we should beat and we should sweep if we play up to our potential – and the bats stay hot, and that's always a, a you know a sticky proposition on the weekends because of the fact you're facing better pitching. I don't think this is an Alabama pitching staff though that is capable of really coming in here and shutting us down without our help. Simple as that. When they want to walk you, let them walk you. When they give you the opportunity to hit and run, you got to hit and run. Chris doesn't do a ton of that, but uh, this is a team too. When you've got a catcher like that that uh, has allowed some stolen bases, you can put some guys in motion and then put some pressure on the defense, which will enable you to, to kind of open up some hit-and-run opportunities. So, uh, But here we go. That's kind of how I feel about it. Let's take some time now and uh, look at the rest of the SEC weekend. The final segment of the show brought to you by your good friends at Portico. You guys know Brooks Bryan. If you don't, you should. What's wrong with you? Brooks Bryan, a guy that's a hero at Mississippi State, big part of some Omaha teams, robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. I like doing business with Bulldogs whenever I can. And if I was moving to Starkville now, I would do business with Brooks Bryan and this great group of developers that are bringing this wonderful residential development to the greater Starkville area, Portico. Very easy to find. You turn off of 82 on the 12, the very first ride is Pat Station Road. You cross through that four-way stop, boom, there's Portico. That's your new home. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You've always wanted to live in Starkville. I always wanted to move up here and say, if I was there, I'd love to be close to campus. Well, you're on the quiet side of campus. Close enough for convenience, far enough away to have a little privacy. I love it. You will, too. If I was moving to Starkville, I would absolutely move to Portico without question. I would love to be close to the action. Now, whether it's your retirement home, your primary residence, perhaps just your ballgame weekend retreat, Portico's got a place for you. Phase one completely sold out. Phase two now under construction. And you can have a say in that. You can pick out your lot and pick out your housing plans. And the best way to do that is to contact Brooks Bryan, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Brooks Bryan, a guy that believes in Mississippi State and believes in Starkville, wants to make Starkville a better place to live. And I don't know there are any better places to live, but it's nice to have some new, nice construction here to invite even more families to be a part of our wonderful community here in Starkville. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's take some time now. We didn't do it last Friday. There was so much going on. You know, we were in the middle of a coaching search. But uh, let's take some time and look at, number one, uh, you know, these SEC series that are coming up. Uh, Georgia is at Lexington. This is a big weekend for, for Kentucky and really Georgia. I think Georgia is a good team. I think they are potentially a really good team. I don't think they're a great team. Now, the one thing that I'll say about them is, number one, you have a Friday night bona fide starter that's going to keep you in those ball games on Friday night, and they play pretty clean defensively. They had the one error on Sunday where they dropped the pop fly on the infield with that high sky out there. But this is big. This is a big weekend. You know, Kentucky is a team, too, that got off to a good start, and I'm really pulling for Nick Mangione, and, and you should, too. I got, it's a great story, but also gave a lot to Mississippi State. Kentucky 15-7. and seven. Uh, on the season, and but were swept last weekend. So, you know, Nick and those guys are going to come out and bring 
their best effort. You know, tough weekend against the Hogs last weekend, but they were competitive for the most part too. It wasn't like the you know Arkansas just ran over them. Uh, Arkansas takes the series six two nine three and then three to one. But so, you know, Kentucky's looking for their first SEC win, and I think they're going to win. I do think Georgia will take the weekend, though. I think Georgia takes a 2-1. I think they win today. Now, Kentucky offensively, a little bit up and down. What happens on Sunday? I think that's kind of the swing game in many respects. I think Georgia probably wins Friday, and I think Kentucky probably wins Sunday. Now, Mississippi State should have won the game on Saturday, and can Kentucky do that? I don't know. But let's pick Georgia 2-1 to one over Kentucky this weekend in Lexington. LSU is headed to Florida. Now, LSU, and I said this beginning of the year, LSU is going to be great in their ballpark. They're going to struggle on the road. Jay Johnson's one of these launch angle coaches, too, where, you know, everybody's like all about, you know, the home run. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't work everywhere in the SEC. You know, when you play in a softball field like they do at Alex Box Stadium, it's a little different. But AM takes two out of three from LSU last weekend. I don't know that many people expected that to happen. 6-4, 11-7, and then 7-6 for the Tigers on Sunday. I mean, you're one swing away from getting swept in your opening series. Probably doesn't, uh, you know, inspire a lot of confidence. But uh, And then LSU was probably thinking, okay, well, we get the seventh team in the West coming in. Before we go to Florida, that'll be a nice tune-up, and all of a sudden you're one and two in the league, and now you got to head to Florida. I like Florida a lot. I do. I don't know that they've played up to potential just yet, but I think they're a team that's capable of winning this league and being a top eight national seed and really making a run at Omaha. I think most people probably expect that to happen. LSU situation's a little different though. You know, a lot of people were picking LSU early on, and I did not get the hype. I mean, you lose so much from that team. And you really aren't a great road team in this league. And so we'll see how things progress. But, you know, I think this LSU team is certainly capable of, of, uh, of making a run and probably getting to a super regional. I don't think they were a top 10 team. I told you guys at the beginning of the year. And I think that happens. I think they're going to lose again this weekend. Not to say they won't be playing their best baseball later in the year. But I'm going to take Florida and Gainesville two games to one over LSU. This Florida team is always ripe with pitching. Always. And then they've got so many offensive pieces back from a year ago. That was a thing, too. People are like, oh, they had all those guys. You know, they did, and they all came back. That, that's the thing. I mean, you had a couple guys that left. But Florida returns a ton of talent. And I think LSU is a team, too, that's probably looking at this, this weekend thinking, you know what, we could easily be out of the race before we even really get going good. And I think LSU will bring their best effort, and I'm sure they would prefer to play this game with Alex Box. But I think Florida – it's just simply going to be too good at home. Okay, Vanderbilt, and I don't get the early Vanderbilt love either. They've played pretty well. I give them credit. But now we're getting into SEC play. Now, this is one of those weekends, too, I think Vanderbilt has to be a little bit scared of. There have been times in the past where Vanderbilt will lose a series that they're not expected to. Now, South Carolina has not been good this year. They're the only team, I think, in the SEC that's, that didn't have a winning record unless they won a midweek game that I missed. Uh, but they you know, they are not been setting the woods on fire. You know, Vanderbilt opens up the year losing two out of three to Oklahoma State. And it's like, oh, yeah, that, 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 that's about right. Well, since that time, they have put together a ton of wins. They have not lost since the opening weekend. They beat Evansville, a three-game series against Army. They beat Central Arkansas. They take a four-game set from Hawaii. They, they sweep Wagner. 
and you see these names and you think, Steve, they're not playing anybody. And you're absolutely correct. And I, I see it the same way you do. It's like you look at that record and you think, oh, man. But then you get a little deeper into the schedule and you realize, yeah, I don't know about this. Michigan blows a midweek game against Vanderbilt, 5-4. Michigan had the game won, and there's a walk-off wild pitch. That's happened twice to Vander here. Remember that against uh, it was Stanford out in Omaha? Or not with Stanford, it was uh, Arizona. Either way, now with Stanford. Yeah, walk-off wild pitch. And then they take three from Missouri last week. And so, you know, Vanderbilt has not even really gotten into the meat of their schedule. Put it bluntly, they hadn't played anybody other than Oklahoma State, and they lose two out of three. And Oklahoma State, by my math, is one of the top 15 college baseball programs in the country. And I, and I would submit that, and you look at their history, while they have not had a lot of recent success, Oklahoma State is a very good team, and I think a team this year capable of making it to Omaha. Uh, but Missouri loses all three of those games. So now all of a sudden, you, know, you get the midweek game against Belmont. You win the Thursday night game 10 nothing. Vandy will sweep this series, and they should. And South Carolina is in a world of trouble because it only gets worse from here. Now, the big series next weekend uh, in uh, Nashville against uh, Tennessee, that's going to be big. We're going to talk about volunteers here shortly. Uh, but uh, I think Vanderbilt takes this series 3-0, and I think South Carolina, it's incredible to see what's happened to South Carolina. You know, it's like when they won the NAFL championship, we were all thinking, well, why not us? If they can win it, so can we. And we did. And then they went back to back, and we're thinking, wow, Ray Tanner's building a dynasty. It has not been the same since then. It absolutely has not. And I think that's one of the things that South Carolina fans are so incredibly frustrated with is they got used to being nationally elite, and they're not anymore. And they're not even really contending in the East. Now, that's the thing that I look at is like, you know, it's not just the fact that, you know, Florida has moved ahead of them. You know, Vanderbilt certainly has. And then I, I, who would you say right now outside of maybe Missouri or Kentucky would South Carolina be favored, you know, to, to beat in a series? I don't know that they could. You know, that's the thing I look at and I think about those kind of things all the time. It's like, well, you know, what happens when you lose your positioning because this is such an, an unforgiving league? And, of course, you know, Ray Tanner – retired and took over full-time as the AD, he promoted Chad Holbrook. You know, Chad works there for, you know, five seasons and never really recaptured the magic. You know, they, they won 20 games in the SEC just one time in his five seasons there. And then after the 17 season, the 35-25 year, and they, get, they have a 13-17 record in the league, he's gone. Mark Kingston takes over. They make it to the Super, and everybody thinks, okay, well, we're back on track. Well, then the next year they missed the tournament and have a 500 record and go 8-22. and 22. The COVID year, they were 12-4. and four. Never know how that was going to turn out. And then last year, they're 34-23. and 23. They make their own regional and get beat in their own regional. And so now it's like we had the one moment when we had Chad Holbrook's players and we kind of got over the hump, and now we're going back, turning in the wrong direction. I submit to you if Mark Kingston – doesn't get back to the tournament this year, there'll be a coaching change in South Carolina. I don't think there's anybody out there that would disagree with that. I think Ray Tanner's a guy, too, that, uh, you know, it's a guy that's been a, a gentleman and a scholar when it's come to college baseball. Got to get this next tie right. I don't think there's any question about it. Got to get it done. All right, let's look at this Arkansas-Missouri series. And uh, listen, does anybody expect Missouri to make a run at this thing? Well, no, they don't. And they shouldn't. Again, Arkansas, a team – they're not as good as they were last year. And I know what the record shows, 
but they, you know, Christian losing Christian Franklin and some of those guys is, is pretty significant. And they're going to be really good in their own ballpark, as we're going to find out next weekend. But they get the sweep last weekend against Kentucky. But they've got some losses early in the year. You know, they, they lose to Illinois State early in the year. They lose a, a Sunday game against Stanford. No shame in that. Stanford, I think, will win the Pac-12. They lose the Friday night game to Southeastern Louisiana. Of course, Southeastern's also beat Ole Miss this year. Uh, they're a really solid mid-major program. But since that loss, Arkansas has rattled off here about a dozen wins, including that sweep of Kentucky last weekend. So uh, starting to get the bats going, too. And that's going to be key for those guys. Kind of getting the lineup settled. They will sweep Missouri. I have no doubt about it. it, it we would love for Mizzou to get one. But Missouri at this point has not really shown – you know, a lot to inspire any confidence about, you know, the direction of that program. You know, they're 0-3 in the league and 12-5 and overall, but they, they have not played anybody of significance other than Arkansas, and, um, and they lost all the loss of those games. You know, I mean, looking at quickly here, Nickel State, Southern, Louisiana Monroe, Tarlington State, uh, Gonzaga, that was a loss for them, of course. They did drop a, a game to Nicholson, Nickel State. Uh, they win at Frisco. They win at Arizona State. That's that's a good Power Five win, even though Arizona State's an unranked team. But outside of that, there really hadn't been much to speak of. They have kind of gotten fat on some teams that uh, they're just simply able to able to out talent, and they're among the least ta- talented teams in the Southeastern Conference. So, uh, I expect Arkansas to win this. I don't think there's really much question about it. I think we all probably see it the same way. Arkansas is the better team, should take it. Of course, Alabama's here at Mississippi State. I've told you guys I expect State to win the series. We need a sweep. I don't think there's any question we win the series, but we need a sweep to really climb back into this thing, and I think we're certainly capable of doing that. Auburn is at Texas A&M. I think this could be one of the most intriguing series of the weekend. Now, Auburn, pitching-wise, not outstanding, and you saw that last weekend. You know, Ole Miss was able – and Ole Miss is a very offensive team. They're going to be able to swing the bats. Uh, but Auburn is a team, too, that you look at and you say, you know what, on any given day, this team's capable of getting it done. You know, early in the year, they beat Texas Tech 2-1. to one. They beat Kansas State. And of course, they have the uh, two out of three series win against Yale. They take four from Rhode Island. And you, you expect all that, right? Well, then they lose two out of three to Middle Tennessee State. That's not a good weekend. Then they lose two out of three to Ole Miss. And those games were like Church League softball games. Ole Miss wins 13-6 and loses 19-5 and wins 15-2. And then they had to beat South Alabama 13-12. That's the Auburn Tigers I'm talking about. So uh, they are a team that is struggling for pitching a little bit uh, against teams on the schedule as of late. And they had the Kennesaw State game and they got postponed. And after what Josh Hatcher's been doing as of late, maybe that was good. But A&M – a surprise team. I I struggle to pick Auburn to win on the road here. I just don't know if you have the juice. And uh, I think A&M, you know, this last year just was one of those series that kind of determined who went to Hoover and who didn't. I think A&M takes it two games to one. But I do – I won't be surprised if Auburn does win it. I, I think this is a very even-handed series. I think Slosh will have those guys up and ready to go. But I know that Butch will have a good game plan. If they can just go execute it pitching-wise, they've got a chance to win the series. But this is one of the ones, to me, that is among the most intriguing. Now, the, the big series that everybody's talking about, and rightfully so, is Tennessee at Ole Miss. Now, we'll be covering our games, but uh, I'll be keeping an eye on this one. I think this could be a dandy of a series. 
and not for maybe the reasons that you do. I am a Tony Vitello fan. I have said that more than once. I know that Tony Vitello will have his guys saying, you know what, you're a bunch of nobodies. Nobody picked you to do anything this year. We're going to go in here and beat these guys. These guys are the number one team in the country. Let's go beat them at their place. And I think Ole Miss is a very shaky number one. I think we all would agree with that. Um, the pitching aspect of this thing is going to be interesting. But let me run these Tennessee scores down for you. Something's got to give. And I don't think it's going to be Tennessee. So 9 nothing, 10-3, 14-0, 16-1, 27-1, 29-0, 12-2, 4-1. They lose 7-2 at Texas. 10-5-8-0-9-8-10-2-17-4-8-3-12-3-7-1-8-3-5-2-10-0-13-3. This is an offensive team going to play in a very offensive ballpark against another offensive team that doesn't have a lot of great pitching. It's going to be awfully interesting. And I think, you know, based on what I know about the Tony Vitello experience, this will be their killing floor type weekend. He will go out there and basically tell them, this is our chance to prove that everybody is wrong about Tennessee baseball. And people forget Tennessee went to Omaha last year. They were just the first team eliminated. You know, that offensive scheme, that launch angle offense where everybody tries to hit dingers, doesn't work at TD Ameritrade. It just it doesn't. It doesn't work. You better go out there and hit line drives, and then maybe you catch a day when there is some wind. In Tennessee, that ballpark swallowed them up. Swayze Field will not swallow them up unless it rains. Uh, and you kind of understand my point there. I think Tennessee will hit Ole Miss pitching successfully. Now, the flip side of that is Ole Miss, very offensive team too. You know, those guys can swing it. you got a lot of veteran players back. There's no question about that. We knew that Ole Miss would be a very good team this year. They are. But their pitching is one of the things that's going to hold those guys back. And uh, I think when you look at all this, you think, okay, Ole Miss needs to get these church league softball-type ball games because that kind of goes to their strength. You know, they're not a team that's really going to be able to hold you down. And we, you know, we saw that. I mean, just look Wednesday night. Memphis, they win that game 11-8. And, yeah, it's midweek pitching, but it's still you're struggling to get those guys out. And, you know, let's just go back and look here. You know, recently we talk about, you know, Ole Miss needs to win and win big. They got they opened up the season with an incredible winning streak, and then they lose game two to Central Florida one to nothing. One to nothing. You think Central Florida stacked with a bunch of pitchers? I mean, probably their best guy on Friday. Ole Miss won that game 8-7. And then finally, Ole Miss breaks through and wins on Sunday 9-1. Then they're beating up on Oral Roberts, and then they get to game three, and they lose to Oral Roberts 8-4. The next game, they lose to Southeastern Louisiana 5-1. So, you know, for a team that is supposed to be so potent offensively, you shouldn't be losing those games by those scores. It's one thing to lose them. But to be held to one run in Hammond, Louisiana, that's tough. And, of course, we talked about the, the Auburn series. But, uh, you know, this is, this is going to be a very entertaining series. I am picking Tennessee to win two out of three in Oxford. And I think it would be an awful lot of fun. To, I think that Sunday game will be like watching a church league softball game that, that goes down to the final at bat. I, I just think when you look at Ole Miss's pitching, though, they have not seen an offense quite as potent as what they're going to see from Tennessee. And I think it will be some very, very wild ball games. And uh, the good thing is, is these games um, 
are going to be a little bit later, I guess. If you want to DVR them, SEC Network will carry the Saturday game. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. But uh, I like the matchup, and I do think that, um, you know, Ole Miss is a team, too, that uh, we talk about heavy as the head that wears the crown. I mean, last week, let me just see here, let me just look here as we get into their, their record last week. Um, you know, the week before, I guess it was, yeah, they, they went they went two and two last week. They lose a midweek game, and then they win the weekend against Auburn on the road, and they're able to maintain number one. You know, if, if I'm voting number one, you can't be two and two. You can't be two and two. Uh, do you think losing to Southeastern Louisiana is less painful than losing to Auburn? Of course not. And so I kind of question the voters there a little bit on that one. But, uh, again, Ole Miss, a very, very good team. And this should be a very entertaining series. I wish we could watch all this. You know, that's the thing. I guess we can go back and watch it in, in review. But um, it's going to be an incredibly entertaining weekend in the Southeastern Conference. And a lot of people's eyes are going to be on Oxford, Mississippi. What we have to do is take care of ourselves, take care of our business, and get out there and take care of Alabama. And I believe that we will. And uh, I'm eager to see how this weekend shakes out. I know you guys are as well. And, you know, what's going to happen around the league is that, you know, we'll have a picture kind of come into place. The good thing for us is that when you look at the SEC standings is there's only three undefeated teams in the league. You know, so everybody has a loss or two with the exception of Arkansas, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. And, you know, Tennessee and Ole Miss this weekend, again, I think that's a split. Vandy will, you know, jump ahead. 6-0 and after this weekend, and I think Arkansas will be right there with them, and then people will see them as the SEC frontrunners, and maybe deservedly so. But Florida is a team that will probably win their series 2-1 and be 4-2, and but eventually they will play Florida. Eventually, I mean, excuse me, they will play Vanderbilt. They will have an opportunity to play Tennessee. So you get a chance to kind of legitimize yourself. But I think if you're one of these teams like South Carolina, you begin to look at this and you start thinking, man, we are really, really in bad shape. You know, we're on, you know, we hadn't won a game yet. And, uh, you know, we're 10 and 11 now overall in the schedule. And so you're going to see the front runners and then there's going to be the pack. And I, I suspect that we're going to be in the pack until we get a chance to kind of stack up some wins. And I think that has to start this weekend because I think that Arkansas series is going to be tough for us. I'd love to go up there and win the series, but how can you have any confidence in saying, hey, we're going to go win that series? after the way they've played and how we've played and the fact that recent history, we have not had any success in that ballpark. And so if you're in that neck of the woods, let me encourage you to, uh, to make plans to come. I would probably buy my tickets on StubHub or somewhere like that so I could sit in a chair backs. I would not want to sit in a hog pen and wear maroon. I don't know that that would be a good experience. They're not quite as hospitable as we are uh, out in the left field lounge. You know, you know we're, we're happy to have you come. It gets kind of tough out there. Uh, for some of our fans in the hog pit. And if you're willing to deal with it, then come on out there and be a part of it. But uh, it's going to be a great baseball weekend when we get there. But first things first, let's take care of Alabama. All right, before we get out of here, let me remind you guys, too, that um, there's a lot going on, you know, with Mississippi State basketball on both sides. And I know that, you know, now that all that is over, you know, we get through the coaching searches, and it's easy to say, okay, okay, well, now I don't have to worry about this. You know, there's there's going to be some recruiting stuff, and, you know, Paul Jones is going to keep everybody up to date on the, on the transfer portal stuff. All of that uh, is something that you should be mindful of. But, you know, it's, it's baseball season now for us. But the NCAA tournament, on the men's side especially, really gets me excited about our future. But watching Chris Jans 
you know, coach his team to win over UConn and nearly beat Arkansas. And, of course, Arkansas wins their game last night. It's pretty impressive uh, when you begin to look and see what uh, Musselman has done there to Arkansas. But it makes me envious, you know, right? I mean, if you, are you like me? It's like I see our contemporaries in the SEC having some level of success, and I begin to think, you know, why can't that be us? You know, why can't we get back to that? And I've, I've got a lot of confidence in Chris Jans. I really do. And, you know, when we hired Ben Howen, I thought, oh, man, here we go. Here, here we go. It's Ben Howen. The guy won three straight Final Fours. You know, it's a guy that's won everywhere. And so, you know, we're not there. We had to make a coaching change. But, um, you know, Arkansas knocks off Gonzaga last night, and now you start thinking, well, goodness gracious. I mean, you know, they, they've got a chance there, one, a win away from the Final Four. They got to go through Duke to get there, but uh, I mean, how exciting is all of this? You know, to watch all this happen. You know, Duke takes down Texas Tech last night, but uh, that's going to be an incredible regional final between those two. Pretty incredible, and uh, I think Duke got a little bit of a cakewalk. But you know, you could look at Arkansas too and say, you know, hey, you know, who have they really played? Well, they played Chris Jans, New Mexico State, but you know they've. They struggled against the number 13 seed Vermont. They struggled against the 12 seed New Mexico State. Now you got Duke. Now you got Duke after taking down, uh, you know, Gonzaga, the number one seed. Pretty awesome to see. But it'll be interesting. Tip of the cap to Musselman and his crew. And, of course, you look at the other side of the bracket, you know, from them. Of course, we've got games going on today. But, uh, you know, Houston. Houston now going to play Villanova you know, in a regional final. Pretty incredible. And you know, Villanova knocks off Michigan. A lot of people are rooting against Michigan. Last team in the tournament, they end up in a Sweet 16 after the craziness that happened with Juwan Howard. Pretty great. Pretty great. And, of course, the other Sweet 16 games will happen today or this evening, you know, North Carolina and UCLA, battle of blue bloods there. Purdue and St. Peter's, I think everybody in the country is pulling for St. Peter's. I think the the, uh, the the train may end today, but, man, what a great – it's always great to have that one team, right? You always want to go out and buy their merch just because you want to support them because they add some magic to March Madness. Uh, Miami and Iowa State, that could be awfully interesting. See what happens there. And Kansas and Providence, you know, is Kansas the team now? Is Kansas the one you look at and say, you know what, they're going to win an NFL championship? And I, I love the mystery of all this, but I look forward to it in a day when we can – fill out our name in a bracket and hope to get out of the first weekend and kind of everything beyond that is a bonus right but it's been you know forever and a day since we've been able to hang a sweet 16 banner and we've only got a, you know, a couple of those in our in our history but you know, the bottom line is is you know when I watch all these teams it makes me a little bit jealous especially when we split with Arkansas and we should have swept Arkansas and you look at it and say look now they're a win away from the final four what that tells me is we're really not that far off from being a competitive NCAA tournament team. We're really not that far off, and I think we've got the coach now to put us over the edge. Uh, but enjoy what's left of the tournament. You know, it's going to be a busy weekend, and then, of course, uh, you know, there's one more weekend left, and then it's just baseball season. You know, spring practice has started for football. I had to miss yesterday. I'll be out there tomorrow for a while, have a chance to watch that. So I'll have some notes for you guys on Monday. we got a lot of guys that are out, you know, with some injuries and guys recovering from surgery. So when you see these depth charts, and Paul Jones keeps up with that rather meticulously for us over at jeanspage.com, uh, you'll see some names like, hey, what's going on with so-and-so? And there's a good chance they're just not available, like Cole Smith, Dollar Bill Johnson, uh, not participating in team drills 
uh, due to uh, recovering from off-season surgery. So it doesn't mean they've left the program or they've lost favor with the staff. You know, spring is about getting reps and kind of getting guys ready to go. So Monday I'll have some um, have some football content for you guys too, and we'll re- recap the weekend that was at Duty Noble Field. Let's be sure and go check it out. And again, as always, if you're looking for books, go to dogpiledebook.com. Every time I go speak, somebody says, hey, where can I get one of those Stark Villain shirts or Stark Villain hoodies? Very easy, starkvillains.com. You can get that ordered, and they'll ship it right out to you. If you got any questions, let me know. Happy to help. But I'm excited about the weekend. I'm excited about, uh, you know, basketball. There's a lot to feel good about. Spring football is here, too. And, and listen, we need a big year this year. We do. I'm not saying we got to go out there and, you know, win the Sugar Bowl or anything. But, um, you know, we need to take a step forward this year. This is an important spring for us. And I look forward to getting out there and seeing the team on Saturday. Look forward to being back with you guys on Monday. I hope you guys have a great weekend with your friends and family. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.